and one more thing that he has done, he has uh, given uh, Grandmaster Pete <laughs> a, a serious word this morning, man, and it was, yeah, so we had a lot of people moved greatly in the first service. Uh, you're going to be moved by his story and by what God has laid on his heart, too, so without anything further, give it a New City Church. Welcome to our worship leader most weeks, but our pastor preacher this week, Pete Kerwin. Yeah, thank you guys, yeah, yeah, thank you, Casey, thank you, man. Love you too, brother. No, you're awesome. Uh, he's right. Uh, my name is Pete Kerwin. Uh, that's correct. Um, yeah, first service I went long because I just I started spilling the beans like crazy. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna make sure and, and stay on point. But I, I want you guys to know the whole the whole reason I'm speaking this morning is because Jesus wants to know that you that that you are loved, that you've been called to this point, and that there's no there are no mistakes in here. There are no no accidents. You're loved. That's the only reason we're in here. It's the only reason I'm here, because he loves me. But yeah, so yeah, um, uh, for those of you who don't know me, yeah, I'm Pete Kerwin. I'm the resident noisemaker at, uh, at here. Daniel is manning this station beautifully, too. The worship team killed it this morning, killed it. It was, oh my gosh, man. Yeah, I was like crying. It was awesome. But um, yeah, so I'm, yeah, typically leading worship, I'm not used, to, this is not my preferred method of, of being in front of people, is, is speaking, you know. I'd rather be yelling at you guys from a microphone over there, but, um, or yelling with you guys, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, change a little bit. Uh, but, um, yes, that'll, that'll make me feel better. I, but I can't play and talk, so I'll just look like a goon. I'll look like Elvis for a second. But, uh, um, uh, that was a, a slight dig. Yeah, sorry, guys. Um, but, um, yeah, so I'm here, and, and this, is, this, is a, this is a beautiful thing for me. This is... This is, it's a chance for me to share my heart with you guys, a chance for me to share my, a little bit of my testimony, so it's not going to quite look like a, a typical sermon, but, um, but I, do, I do want you guys to know that this is coming from my bones, what I got this morning, and it's, 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 what, it's, it's the reason I breathe, is because Jesus is a loving God, and he's a redeeming God. Before we were even born, we were redeemed. So anyway, yeah, um, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I have a beautiful wife named Lisa Kerwin. She's typically over here somewhere. Uh, this service, she's coming third service today. But uh, we have two beautiful daughters, uh, Mana, Mana Kerwin and Cannon Kerwin. Uh, Mana is two and a half. You ever take a couple months or weeks? I lose track. And Cannon is like a month and, or a year, a year and three months. Uh, Mana is, is on the tail end of potty training, and Cannon is teething. So um, just so you know, studies have shown that there are three situations that cause humans to erupt, sometimes violently. And uh, one of them is uh, traffic, like specifically in L.A., you know. Uh, traffic jams will make people desperate people. And uh, a second occasion is sometimes family occasions. We might want to slug each other in the noggin. And uh, a third occasion is teething children. Uh, just know that. It will make specifically a, a, a human this size erupt in violence. But, um, um, and then... Manna on the tail end of potty training, I, I compare that to the trapeze artists that pull the net out. You know, when you make a mistake, that's, it's just a mess. But, um, so, yeah, I'm done joking. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, so we're in a series called Starting Over this, this, this week. We've been, this is the fourth week into it. Um, what we're trying to do is get our minds and our hearts around the fact that, that we can begin again. We can live a life beyond regret, that he has called us to that, actually. We learned in week one that um, 
God wants to give us the freedom to love our regrets. Uh, that's kind of counterintuitive, really, but um, when you think about it, God loves us for everything that we are, as we are, and for us to negate that is negating his process, negating his sovereignty in our lives. So we have to learn to love even the junk in us, because he does. He loves us no matter, no matter what. He's not done yet. Sometimes we feel like we're at the end of our rope, but it's actually the regret that builds is actually the start of something really beautiful. In week two, we learned uh, to recognize or acknowledge our regrets. Um, God wants us to know. Um, I love this. He wants us to know what he's about to bring back to life. He's a resurrecting God. And so many of us in here have experienced or are experiencing right now a life that feels dead or parts of us that are dying. He's here to say, behold, I make all things new. That's what he says in Revelation. And because it's at the end of the Bible doesn't mean it's not true right now. Because he's outside of time. We're part of this so that we can witness his glory as we travel through our lives. But he has already said, behold, I make all things new. That is every one of us in here. So he's about to, he, he's about to let us know what he wants to bring, bring back from the dead. Sometimes that process is instigated with a, a simple thing like maybe a phone call, you know, calling to say I'm sorry. Even if, even if you're done wrong, just, just bridging the gap for somebody, being the first to say sorry is always a big thing. Um, it's such a burden, you know. When we're, when we're carrying the weight of regret around, it's such a burden, and he calls us to lay that, lay that before him at his feet at the cross because it belongs in the grave with the grave clothes. And last week, uh, Casey walked us through the process of releasing our regrets. So we're, we're, we're called to love them, to acknowledge ourselves as being a whole person created by a whole God in his image. We call them out, we name them, so we don't brush them under like some little shadowy corner in our heart. And then we release them when we have acknowledged them. My hands, this is the posture of freedom. So you guys know. Freedom never looks like clutching tightly to something. It's always, it's releasing. And in this process, um, I went on, on kind of a diatribe about in Proverbs what I was reading this morning, but essentially what I came to find out was by acknowledging and naming our regrets and releasing them, we acknowledge and name our God. If you get a chance to look up Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, we're really familiar with that verse. But the Amplified Version says that we acknowledge and name him. So if that, there's an echo, there's always a, there's, where there is darkness, there is light. And he is always there. So yeah, he taught us about releasing our regrets. Um, that's time to confess. It's time to turn to him. That's what repent means, is just to turn to him. Sometimes we think that that's a 180. If we're facing the wrong direction, a 180 will just face us in another wrong direction. Let's turn into him. It's time to let go, time to heal. And throughout the process, we also learned that how Casey's body and the, the bodies of, of other people around him react to fire <laughs> or, or hot things. Like, uh, I learned about Casey's lips the first week. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the theme is the pain of Casey. Yeah. Uh, um, on that note, let's talk about the sorry cycle. If we could uh, show that um, on the screen. Yeah. So this is, the, this is the pattern we fall into when, when, we, uh, when we're burdened with pain, 
regret when we carry that around like it's like it is us. That's kind of how we function sometimes. It's like this is just me. I'm just this angry person. I'm this sad person. That's not really us. What this is, it's it's a it's a cyclical kind of black hole that sucks us into this cycle of longing and regret. So what we're going to talk about this week is how to how to fully exit the sorry cycle um, and start over. That's what the series is called, starting over. Now, in order for God to redeem our regrets, we have to allow Him to do that. So I, oftentimes we think, I mean, He is sovereign, but it, it takes it takes a step on our part, and all it is is trust. It's it's uh, the way I see it is when you when like God's reaching down to us, you know, and we can put our hands up and not clutch His hand. We don't go anywhere, but if we just squeeze, that's as simple as trust is. We get wrapped up in, in, in our own minds and forget that his ways are higher than our ways. And, and, and we try to make sense of things that aren't supposed to make sense yet. Anyway, he wants us to um, redeem our regrets, but we have to allow him to. And so if, it, if it's okay, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through some of my testimony. Uh, I'd, you know, like... You see me now as I am, but as I, when I grew up, I was a, I was a, um, you know, devout Catholic. I, I, uh, I, I was an altar boy. I was a cantor. So there were uh, two, sometimes there were me and two other twelve-year-old dudes would uh, were led worship in, in my parish. So that's kind of how desperate we were at the time for worship. Um, you guys are desperate enough, but uh, three of us is, is a whole other ballgame. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I grew up a good kid. Um, actually, I was I was a really good kid, you know. And um, I went to at some at some point in high school, this uh, this thing set in. It's like this cloud, and I, I just I, I quit caring, you know. Like I, it, was about, it was in between sophomore and junior year, I just stopped caring. And what I figured out, like I just learned that this year, like the reason I stopped caring or thought I stopped caring was just fear. This fear of caring, fear of investing in relationship, or fear of investing in what God had called me to. So there's so much fear that we function out of, and, and we put we put masks on it and call it apathy or or being too cool for school, you know. And like that's who I thought I was, you know. But I didn't I didn't realize until this year, I'm 37, that I was just living in fear my whole life. So yeah, around that time, around that time, I. Had, um, I was involved with, you know, student council, student government. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying I had a trajectory. And I intentionally or subliminally torpedoed that trajectory because I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have the courage to step into who God had called me to be. And that, that turned into this spiral of, you know, throughout my high school, uh, a lot of booze, you know, I, I used to think that, I remember the first time I drank, I thought it was the only way that you could have fun, you know. And I thought that not drinking meant you're just kind of a, who I am now, like a, just kind of a geek, you know. Like, I, I'm a boring fella, and I love it. I love it. Because my joy is found in Jesus. In Nehemiah, it says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm not a strong guy, but I am strong. Because I am full of the joy of the Lord. And I grew up my, my whole life trying to function of my own volition, of my own will. That's kind of what this redemption process is all about. It's, 
It's learning to say yes to, to what God is doing in our lives. How many times do we buck? We buck against, kick against the goad, as Jesus said. We just pull, and we don't know it, you know. We just, like, that's, this is what's best for me. And we don't think simply this is what God wants. Um, so, yeah, so high school was kind of a, like, I had teachers calling my house worrying about me because I was hungover in class, falling asleep and stuff. And um, that kind of, I wore that out pretty, pretty well. Um, almost flunked out of high school. Um, ended up going to college because it's what you're supposed to do, not because I desired to do something better for myself. Like, a lot of times we just do things out of, like, we, we'll hang it on obligation or we'll hang it on, like, that's what we're supposed to do rather than this is what, this will benefit me. This is what's good for me. We sink ourselves all the time. We cut ourselves down. <clears throat> but, yeah, so I, I um, went to college, went to KU for one semester. That was my extent in college. <laughs> it's a really expensive party. Um, and from that, I just kind of, I springboarded, like, that, that period of my life. I experimented with a lot of stuff. I got in deep with a lot of stuff, and it kind of kicked me off on this really not-so-great career of, of just slowly killing myself. And that's actually what I thought when I was at college. I got so depressed from, from going against who I was. And I didn't realize this at the time, but I was like, there's this spiritual turmoil that I was just pulling against, and it was killing me. And so I figured I would finish the job with booze, you know. It's like, I'm not going to make it to 30, is what I used to tell my friends. And... You know, like, so I would I'd, I'd wear it out. But um, so after college, or what, what I call college, like after the, the party and into more party, um, I was part, I'd, I'd been part of, the whole time I was part of a metal band, and so I, you know, I thought I was going to be a rock star or something stupid, you know. I mean, it's, it's, that's not stupid. It's just like, that's, that was so much less than what God had called me to. You know, like being like, I have difficulties with a stage in church only because I have experience from a stage and what it does to people, you know, um, what it did to me. And so, yeah, I mean, to, to, to be as brief as I can, basically, like, I would run it to the ground over and over again. I, I know some of us in here have a similar past as mine. And we know what it looks like to run it into the freaking ground. And then you do it again. Like, and in between those, those periods of running into the ground, when I'd completely lose control, then I'd be like, oh, Jesus, you know, like, like I, would, I, I would hear from him. It wasn't like I wasn't hearing from him, but I just never had the courage to chase him. It was like his hand, I was aware of his hand, and it moved me, and it, and it crushed me, the weight of his glory. And I'd have this moment in tears on, on my floor in my studio apartment, strung out, hung over, you know, like, and this moment of, like, of God in my presence, and I'm not worthy. Like, I'm done with this stuff. And the next day, like the scripture says, like a dog to its vomit, I returned. It's because I, it, I, didn't, I didn't believe that I was worth. I didn't believe I was worth what I was called to. So, I, yeah, so I had, you know, moments of come to Jesus. And one time I thought I actually did uh, get around it. And it was when I was 26, a buddy of mine and I moved into this house off Metcalf, I've been bouncing around like couch to couch, job to job, and landed a good job. Ended up, it's, it's a long story, but I got a friend that was just like doing the same thing as me and like, hey man, we got to get right with God. I was like, yeah, that sounds great, you know? And, but we never fully shut the door on who we were. Like, like wrote a contract up, signed it, put it on our wall. Like, this is who we're going to be. It's this holiness pursuit. 
and like three months into it, it's like, there's beer in the, in the garage. Let's, what, we're just going to throw it away, you know, crack and back to it. But what needs to be said is when we don't slam shut the door of the sin in our lives, it will come back and it will eat you alive. But like, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ that he has called us beyond that already. Sometimes we just have to hit our heads against the wall a million times. That's what I had to do until I was 30 years old. But, um, so, yeah, I was, um, needless to say, by the time I got to, you know, 29 or 30, I was at the end of my rope. I'd been there a bunch of times and kind of kept sinking, a little more drugs, a little more drugs. You know, like the party started shifting from, like, the party to this solo operation that I was, like, killing myself. Um, and there's a, there's a long weekend I had, and all I know is I woke up. I have bits and pieces of memory from that, and all I know is I woke up in a hotel or an apartment complex breezeway. Didn't know how I got there. I was allowed in to the place because it, it was a gated community, and I had my shirt over my knees because I was cold and I was sleeping outside with no shoes on. And I was like, how in the hell did I get here? So I took a, a taxi home or what I called home, it was actually my sister's house. I was crashing on her couch at that time because I had bombed out of my last house. Um, and I was just sitting there, and it wasn't like Jesus audibly spoke to me, but I just knew it. I knew what he was telling me. It was like, maybe it's time to set down these things that you're chasing and chase me. What he's really saying is like the things that, the, 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 the things that we're so desperate for that we want to pursue so desperately, it's actually him. We just paint it differently because we're looking at the wrong spot. We just look at him in his word. We will be fulfilled with the stuff that he, he puts. He puts desires in our hearts. Psalm 38 verse 4 says, Take delight in the Lord. He will give you, give you the desires of your heart. If we're misguided, we chase our own desires. <clears throat> so anyway, I, I was sitting there and I was like, okay. I mean, I was, I didn't, I was at the end of my rope. I didn't know what else to do. I said, I'll give you a week, you know. But I'm not quitting smoking. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, <laughs> I did four months later, but um, at the end of that week, I was tried harder than I, I, I will ever be tried again, I think. It was the, uh, my, my brother-in-law, who I was living at his house at the time, his 30th birthday and his twin brother, their 30th birthday, obviously was the same weekend, but... Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's how you explain things. Yeah. Um, anyway, like, it, it was all my friends, all the people that I loved and still love, and, and it was a party, you know? And I remember going there, and I was just, like, not every, everybody kind of respected my position until at the end of the night there's one old friend that came up, and he's like, man, what are you doing? I was like, I'm done, you know? And he's like, he's like oh, that's cool. That's cool. How long have you been done? I was like, a week, and he starts laughing at me, you know? He's like, shut up. We're going to this next bar. This party is going on, you know? And, like, um, I was like, no. And at that moment, I knew, because like, I didn't have the strength to say no. I came to find out later in my life, like, that what Paul said, what Jesus said to him, was, in your weakness, my power is made perfect. It wasn't me. It was the power of Jesus breaking into my life in the process of redemption. I've since been given my life to Jesus, baptized, got involved in a men's group at Westside, Found out about New City in Shawnee about four months after I was sober. 
ended up there. I got married, met the girl of my, the, the most beautiful thing, the, the girl of my dreams at New City. All these things are waiting for us. Now, I'm not saying like my life. I'm saying like our redemption looks different. So, you know, because like, our, 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 our regrets look different. But he has something waiting for you just, just past regret, just past stepping into grabbing a hold of him. Something that is, he, he said, uh, and the, the prophet said, you know, like even now it springs up. See, I do a new thing in you, things for your prosperity not to harm you. Can't you see it? Because where are we looking? We look to ourselves so much. And that go, if, if you would put up the sorry cycle again, what I, what, what I was living out was the sorry cycle, and that's, that's a very selfish state of being, state of existence. And I'm, I'm not trying to crack on anybody because I still fall back into it, you know. I'm, I'm not safe from it, but when we, lay, when we release our burdens and lay them at his feet, we have to look at him. Our perspective isn't this anymore. It's not the sorry cycle is, is a, is a, is a this standpoint of like, ah, oh, it's so hard, but ah, oh, he is God is actually what our response should be. Yeah, I'm not done making regrets. You're not either. But thank God that he's not done. Because he is the redeemer of regret. He wants to take our greatest pain and use it for his most beautiful work yet. There's beauty in this room that hasn't even unlocked in all of us, because we all carry regret. Imagine what that would look like, the freedom of releasing regret in a church house. So what is redemption? I don't know how much time I have, Casey. What am I looking, looking like? 10, 55, 56? Okay, yeah. Sorry. Um, um. So yeah, so we're, we're, we've heard about Paul. Yes, the, uh, <laughs> that's sacrilege, my friend, coffee spill. <laughs> uh, yeah, it hurts. Um, so Paul was a man that knew about regret. We know who Paul is. He wrote most of the New Testament. But he's, the reason he wrote the New Testament is because he knew about redemption. He wrote about it a little bit. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we're really familiar with this verse. This is a life verse for people, you know. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. How many things? All things. Good and bad. Like the secrets that we hide in there. And the things that we want people to see. All things. God wants to take even your worst mistakes and use them for his great good, his great gain. Please hear this. Your worst moments, my worst moments, that's where God is going to, he's planting seeds of beauty waiting to spring up. Can he not see it? We've been watching Greg's story. Um, We've got that queued up, right? We've been watching Greg's story, and I think, yeah, go ahead and play it. I'll, I'll talk about it when it's done. So I remember wrecking my car, and the next thing I know, I come to, and I have no idea where I am. Done. I'm looking around, and I know I'm in some sort of hospital. I asked the guy, um, 
where I was, one of the patients, and he told me I was in the state mental ward, and I just remember thinking, oh God, I gotta get out of here. And as I'm laying in this hospital bed, um, and the nurses are asking me to, to you know, move upstairs into the, the, you know, the nut ward again. My only motivation at that point is I, I didn't want to hurt people anymore. I didn't want to hurt my family. I didn't want to hurt my fiance. I didn't want to hurt strangers. I just didn't want to hurt people with my life anymore. So I made a decision to go upstairs to accommodate their desires um, into, the, into the mental ward. But I'd made up my mind that the minute I get out that I'm going to, to take my own life. That's my worldview at that point. I'm in a mental ward um, and I know I'm going to take my life and I know there is no way out. So as I'm sitting in this, this mental institution, and there was a woman who um, obviously had more issues going on than just substance abuse, but she was coloring and she broke her crayon. And in breaking that crayon, she started shrieking and thought the world was ending and her life was over. And I was trying to explain to her that, you know, it's just a crayon and that the world's not ending and her life's not over. In that moment, it was as if God had just whispered to me that it might not be over for me either. And that was the first glimmer of hope that I had felt in years. I mean, years. The mental ward offered to transfer me down to a, um, a rehab facility in Florida. Even though I'd been to a million treatment centers, and I didn't think they could help me. That little voice of God that said, uh, maybe it's not quite over for you either, gave me just enough willingness to say, okay. I'm alone in Florida. Um, they, every belonging I have, can, it did actually fit in a garbage bag. I'm kind of a mess at that point, so even though I have hope, my life, I shouldn't have hope. So if you look at the state of my life when I'm in Florida, I'm homeless, I'm jobless, I have a broken shoulder, and this charity at the treatment center is going to run out soon, and, and then what? I, you know, I have nowhere to go and nothing to do, and so I shouldn't have hope, but God just has a way of doing some pretty amazing things. And I remember sitting, um, I was down there and I was at this bus stop, realizing that I can't fix all the things that I've done, and I can't fix my own life. I also realized that maybe that's not what living is about. The point I'd missed the whole time throughout these years of even trying to follow Christ is that it's really not about me. Maybe it's all about God. And so maybe what I can do instead of regret all that I've done, use that experience to be able to relate with others and maybe help show them the way out the same way that someone brought me out. So I came up and I was able to reconcile things with my family and I went to uh, try and make things right with uh, my ex Obviously, that went well because today we're married. We have two children, a four-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son. The biggest thing that starting over means to me is the willingness to, to not just let go of the past because it's not people always say that. you got to let go and move on, but it, you can't forget what's happened. So I don't think that's the answer. When I think about starting over, what it's meant for me is to be willing to let go instead of the past, let go of what the future is supposed to look like, this whole idea that I need to that I need to know the outcome of how to fix things and say, okay, I am a drug addict. I did lose everything. Like, I was this ugly person. I had these hard things happen. I did these terrible things. God, how can we use those to, to some sort of good? That's so crazy. Like, I, I, haven't, I didn't watch that video yet, man. Like, 
That's so crazy. The point being, like watching this, and you hear my testimony, I know there are so many of us that have the same testimony in here, in this church. That's, that's why we're here. That's why we all come together here, because he's a restoring God. But I mean, just because maybe your regret doesn't look like I say ours, because that sounds like my story. Redemption looks differently for all of us, like I said. And it never, it's never along our timeline. It's not what we expect. It's his will. You need to hear that a bunch. It's his will, not ours. The question we need to ask ourselves is, will I let God do his good and his pleasing will through me? And that changes our perspective. When we walk into a room, if that's a secret little prayer that we say in our heart, let me change somebody else's perspective. Do your will through me. Oh, it, takes, it takes the weight off of everything. I was crippled by, like, I, I don't like being in front of people, but I used to be crippled by this. That's because I was so focused on me, you know? So, I mean, it can, redemption can look like finding your way back to God. Maybe, maybe you've had, you know, a wayward path. Kansas just jumped into my head. But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it can look like finding your way back to God. That is redemption. It can look like spiritual growth. There's no better way to grow than hitting your knees because your plan got blew, blown up. Like, God didn't, God didn't do what I, what, I, what I told him my will was. Like, God didn't answer my prayer is what we say. And we're crushed by that. But that is exactly where we have to be. Because he only, his favor is poured out only on the humble. And humble, humility starts from our knees. Gratitude starts from our knees. It can look like rescheduling. Again, I said it's always his timing. Redemption can look like redirection. So sometimes the, the, the dreams that we have are the... the, the expectations, which aren't reality, that we have in our lives. Like, those can be redirected, but it's always for his great good and his great gain. Will you let his, let God do his good work in you and through you? There's a point in here that I, I need to address before I, before I, I close, but um, redemption requires us to take the long view. If we're so, I mean, I know that Jesus said, let the day's own troubles be sufficient for the day. But that doesn't mean adopt the mind and the eyes and the heart of our creator. He see thing, sees things as one whole picture. I put it, I, I put it in, in, in part of this. It's like sometimes, we're, sometimes we function like we're players on a field. But his view is the owner's box. We have to remember that it's, it's a, it's, things look so much differently to him than it looks to us. Sometimes redemption takes months. Sometimes it's years. It's a process. But the process is why we exist. We aren't here so that we can get holy. Like we're in the process of being made holy to his glory. Because when he's done making us holy, we're going to be part of him with him. We don't, we don't need to be in this, this existence anymore. So 
So yeah, like um, Scripture lays out different types of, of, of people who are liberated, different types of, 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 of sin or character flaws, you can call them, were, were adjusted to God's glory. Moses, he was a murderer. Like there's nothing too far for God. God's, God's reach goes, penetrates everything, goes deeper than anything, higher than everything. Ruth was an idol worshiper. How, like, that's us. We are Ruths. I don't know if you guys know that or not. How many gods do we have to take down right now in our hearts? Family, children, wife, job, addiction, relationship. Mm, name them, like house, car. How many gods do we have to bring down? Ruth was an idol worshiper, and she was used to be part of the line of Jesus Christ. Peter, he is boastful and inconsistent. He shot his mouth off all the time. I can relate. I ramble. He was inconsistent, but he became the rock on which Jesus built his church. Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. That's all of us, too. I don't know if you guys know that. Look through Hosea. We are the prostitute. But she was granted personal access to the king of kings. This is crazy. I mean, it's over and over again. The scriptures littered with redemption. Paul, the persecutor, became the world's greatest missionary. He went from persecution to, he, he had his hands in salvation, like, to this day and, and forward. So let me ask you this. Do you really want to wait till it's all fizzled out you're huddled up in an apartment complex breezeway embarrassed to hell and back feeling real shabby why do you just want to squeeze you know trust redemption is, is it's a trust process don't let this moment pass you by he's called us here right now because he wants you to know that he loves you. The Lord of the universe, the one who breathes stars into existence, knows your name, loves you. Don't let this pass you by. Let's pray. Jesus, I just pray that, God, that you're doing, you're, you're, you can smell it in this room, you're changing our hearts. God, stir up passion, stir up zeal for you. God, stir up a relinquishing of control and fear. I break the bonds that are over the people in this room, over me. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I break those spiritual bonds that we've spoken with our mouths over ourselves. And right now, we utter, by saying amen, we utter a new contract, a new bond with the only one who is worthy of making bonds with. Jesus, right now, I pray that you're taking those of us that, are, that feel like we're far from you and just turning our heads because all, all it is is a, it's, a, it's a perspective change. I pray that you're taking the person that is never fully committed to you and you start fire in their heart and you make, make them realize, Jesus, make us realize that we, we need you like we need air, like our heads are underwater. We need you. Jesus, I pray that you're taking, taking the person that, that, that doesn't think that they're that they're far off and you show them 
We show them where their regret lies, where their sin lies, and teach them, teach us, God, to dig that stuff out and present it to you as an offering. That's worship. Jesus, we love you. Teach us to worship you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.